Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Marvel Plus, the podcast devoted to all things MCU. My name is Brett Scott, I am your host, and this is the show. And a fantastic show we have today, bringing back a returning guest, one of my favorite guests, Noel Reed from X-Men Unraveled podcast, is here today to discuss the Marvels. Now, I haven't talked to Noelle in well over a year. I think she did episode one of the Marvels, or not the Marvels, of Miss Marvel. Um, so whenever that was, uh, quite, quite a ways ago. But so glad to, uh, to catch up with her and find out what she's been up to and just to discuss a lot of X-Men stuff um, as we are both big X-Men fans. Obviously, she's a huge X-Men fan. She's doing a podcast devoted to them. Um, So both of us couldn't be more excited about what's coming in. So we get to talk about that a bit before we jump in. And then we discuss the Marvels. Now, I wanted to to wait until this released on Disney Plus, on streaming, because I know that a a lot of interest is waning on the MCU, right? I know that that people aren't as hot on the MCU as they were. and, And plenty of people may have skipped seeing this one in the theater. And I wanted to wait until a majority of people had seen this thing. Uh, so we could discuss it on the show. Um, always great insights from Noel. Um, I hope you enjoy this conversation. There are a little bit of technical difficulties you might hear throughout. Uh, we had a little bit of connection issues as I recorded this uh, while I was driving. Uh, but, man, she was a serious podcast champ. Such a professional um, somehow she was able to answer questions she didn't even hear me answer or uh, ask sometimes. So pretty incredible. Uh, props to Noel for being such a pro. Um, but I hope you enjoy this conversation of the Marvels. We go we go in pretty deep, discussing characters, discussing the plot, discussing um, Ms. Marvel and WandaVision and all kinds of stuff. So uh, I hope you enjoy this. Let's jump into it with my friend, Noel Reed. Noelle, welcome back to the show. It's been a very long time. It has. I'm so excited to be back. Yeah, this is awesome. I've been, um, so I noticed you took a little bit of time off of podcasting and then you came back though, and you've been pretty consistent since you came back. Um, You know, I've really been enjoying your early X-Men stuff that you've been covering and I will have to say though, I, I don't envy you because for me, that's like the least interesting part of the X-Men in their entire history is like that first 66 issues, all this stuff. But um, I'm glad that somebody wants to cover it. Yeah, it is. I've been, I was lucky doing chronologically with the X-Men comics because I got about a year worth of content before I had to touch the original Uncanny X-Men. And I started yeah. it and I was, it had an initial excitement because you get to talk about the team getting together and all their backstories. And then the first few issues, you know, you're meeting Magneto and the Scarlet Witch and Namor. And then uh-huh. after that, like first probably seven issues, it's like, oh yeah, no, I'm really in the, in the Silver Age here. And it's just silly villains and... Yeah. all that stuff. I'm very impatient to get to, um, uh, giant size X-Men. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I feel like with all the like all the villain, all the ridiculous villains of the week that you're gonna go through in those first sixty six. Um, like I honestly, I couldn't even get through the first sixty six. Like I, I eventually was just like, I'm jumping to giant size. I can't do this because um, you know, you know, it doesn't matter that much. You know that it doesn't. Like the original, like the first couple issues. Yeah, you meet the team, you find out some backstory, you realize how weird Professor Xavier really is. Like from the very beginning, you're like, man, this dude is shady from day one. Oh yeah, immediately. And like, I, I just. I don't know. I need to find somebody who read them without the later context because I think he yeah. sketched from the very beginning. He's like messing with people's minds. He's like leering at Jean Grey. I'm like, this yeah. man is not, not great. Yeah. No. It's it, it's tough. It's a tough read because they are not only are you dealing with like, you know, kind of some hokey storylines, but you're also dealing with like you know, Jean Grey is treated not like a real member of the X-Men the whole time. Like, she's literally just there for the other X-Men to fawn over. She's kind of worthless power-wise. Like, she doesn't do a whole lot other than she's eye candy for the guys on the team. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so I was on another podcast where it was about Jean Grey. Um, mm -hmm. And it is rough. Her intro... I just got to an issue where my I'm in the early 20s now of mm. the original run and she just learned how to like levitate herself to fly and I was unreasonably excited for that because she's yeah. just she's just there. Yeah. She can do something besides faint. Oh, this yes. is great. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I I will tell you though like I like I said I went to Giant Size and then jumped right into the Claremont run. And it even that like starts out, it's like they're kind of going from this the silver agey vibe to like this bronze age. And it at first it's a little bit of a slog, but then it's like, oh, now we're into it. Like now that Claremont like knows these characters and he starts writing to each of them and storylines jumping around, the team gets split up. It's really like it keeps you reading and then you're like, you're just into it. Like it took me a long time just to get from giant size to like issue 110. But then like after 110, it's like, oh, this is starting to get good. This is starting to get really good. And um, I mean, I know it only gets better throughout like the, the 1980s. So yeah. um, I, I can't wait for you to get there and cover that stuff. Yeah, my my two like milestones are going to be Giant Size and then the Phoenix Saga. Yes. And it, you know what's funny about the Phoenix Saga is like they act like it's this big like 40 issue storyline. Really they kind of like Jean Grey gets the Phoenix power, but then they just barely touch on anything Phoenix for like 20, 30 issues. Like here and there, they reference that, like, oh, she's the Phoenix. Just remember, she's the Phoenix. Uh, but then you finally get a, like the dark Phoenix stuff. And then it's like, oh, okay, all that stuff kind of mattered. But I was expecting, I think I was expecting it to be like this long, drawn out, like all focused on Gene saga. And it kind of wasn't, kind of wasn't until you get to the dark Phoenix stuff. Yeah, it's like there's a whole period where Gene's just Phoenix and it's like business as usual. <laughs> yeah, she's just. 
now she's Phoenix. She's like this uh this undead version of Jean. She's now the Phoenix and she fights along with the X-Men. Yeah, it's 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 kind of strange, but as I said, it gets better as it goes and then it continues to ramp up and get better and better. And I don't know when that really ends. I don't know if it ends with kind of the 90s era and the artists coming in and taking over or or what, but um I honestly as a kid, I remember some pretty cool stuff from the 90s too, so yeah, I'm looking forward like, to it. Yeah, that's like my, you know, in some way the X-Men will always live in the 90s in my brain just because that's what I grew up with and like that's how I first met them. Um, but then there's so much cool stuff after that too. Just, you know, mm-hmm. just got to get through this first hokey part of the run. Yeah, yeah, that's the tough part. What um so just before we jump into covering the Marvels here, I wanted to ask you cuz I'm really finally so excited that like the x-men are starting to show up and the x-men 97 trailer i'm so sorry it literally cut out at the beginning of that yeah (laughs) i wanted to ask you i i'm really excited uh we got all this new x-men content right like coming down the pipe but I have to ask you specifically, what did you think of that X-Men 97 trailer? I was more excited, actually, than I expected. Like, I love the series. It was, like, the animated from the 90s. It was, like, that was my introduction to the X-Men. And so it's always yeah. sort of had a very special place in my heart. Um, and once it got back to Disney+, Plus, I rewatched it. I was like, yeah, it's it's good. Um, yeah. But, you know, going back to something, you never know how it's going to go. And yeah. I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, no, they they're I have high hopes for it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of interesting, cool stuff in there. I love the idea of them continuing the story um, because what was cool about the animated series, and we hadn't really seen that in, in you know, kids content before, was like this chronological story that went from beginning to end even though there was villains of the week from time to time just like in comics it it carried the story along and we ended in 1996 with like the death of professor xavier or supposed death of professor xavier um but i love that they're picking up right where that left off and that awesome little twist at the end of the trailer where magneto has now inherited everything that xavier left behind yes that end of the trailer was like the mic drop moment yeah yeah very cool i'm, I'm so excited uh, march 20th which is like really close i can't wait for this thing to start dropping um i, am, I cannot wait and then our buddy ryan for who covers all the all the episodes you know episode by episode over on talking snick um hoping to get in over there and, and do an episode or two with him that's always fun too. Just talking for however many hours he wants to talk uh, about the X Men. Yeah. Oh yeah, and the the series is such like a good like jumping off point. There's the story itself, but then you know it's fun to go back and like see the comics that are actually related to it. Like for a kids yes. show that it was back in the '90s, like the creators clearly cared about the stories and the characters oh, yeah. and the comics. Like it's honestly pretty incredible that that was the case yeah 
yeah, I know they did. They did a really good job at bringing those stories to life in little, you know, 22 minute episodes. Pretty crazy that they could do that. I mean, giving us the Phoenix saga and the dark Phoenix saga um, and actually making that into like five part and four part series like that's that was crazy. I mean, just to, to make that for kids, basically. But I'm so glad that they did because it, it exposed kids to like something a little more complex um, while still being understand, you know, understood by a children, uh, you know, a child's mind. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think that did a lot for the X-Men and, and making those movies so popular when they were first coming out. And I was talking to someone yesterday on the podcast and we were discussing how you know, that kind of developed most of our love for the X-Men and got us into comics and into the films. And hopefully doing this again with the series right before, I think it's very smart, which I didn't even, I didn't even see it before, but it's very smart to have this animated series come out before the X-Men start showing up in the films because you're going to do the same thing to uh, the youth of today that was done to us and they're going to go in like kind of knowing these characters and wanting to see them on the big screen. And, you know, there's a generation who actually grew up with the MCU. Like, you know, it's what, 15 years of 16 years of, of content. That's at someone's entire childhood. You know, they grew up with it. So all they know and care about really is this like Avengers universe. But now maybe, they're going to be, you know, the next generation is going to be exposed to the X-Men and we're going to get a whole X-Men world in the MCU. So very excited for that. Yeah, it's it's been so long, but yeah, I kind of appreciate that in that, you know, the the work or the foundation that the animated series laid for the X-Men and for X-Men lovers is like incredible. And like seeing that kind of happen again and- yeah. Yeah, the the mutants, you know, those of us who care about them are like, where are they? Where why aren't they coming to the MCU? But yeah, they're pretty much just non-existent for younger viewers. Yeah, and there's so you know, as we've been discussing, there's so many good stories to be told, you know, with those characters. And what most people I think that maybe grew up with with the Avengers stories playing out on screen didn't realize is that like the X-Men were so much more popular like in their time they were they were the it comic book like they were the top seller because everyone wanted to know what happened next everyone loved the characters and the characters span a wide variety of of like uh personalities and they're deep they're very deep characters that i feel like the generation that grew up with the mcu and this new generation that will be coming up um, haven't been exposed to because it's all been in comics from 30, 40, 50 years ago. And now they're going to get it and realize that, you know what? The X-Men are way better than the Avengers. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They're so, they've got so much drama and like, because it's such a huge cast of characters, there's kind of someone for everybody and oh, yeah. that's not the case with like the Avengers. It's, you know, and with so many characters and it's mostly been movies up until fairly recently. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get to spend as much time with them where you do with 
all of these different X-Men characters. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more like side characters, side stories that they dive into in X-Men um, than the Avengers. I feel like we're just focused more on that core team or a couple people related to that core team. But yeah, the X-Men, it just feels much bigger and much deeper. So I'm really excited to see it play out on the screen. Yeah. But um, that's not even what we're here to talk about. But I had to I had to bring up some X-Men stuff because I'm so excited. And you are the X-Men gal. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to get your take on, on what's going on right now with them. All right. We are here today to discuss the Marvels. And I wanted to wait until it dropped on Disney Plus because I think I... I think most people realize that enthusiasm for the MCU has been waning for a variety of reasons. And I assume that a lot of people did not make it out to the theater to see the Marvels and thought, hey, I'll just wait until it's on Disney Plus and maybe catch it then. Um, is that you? Did you wait for Disney Plus or were you in the theater seeing it? I meant to go to the theater. It came out at a busy time and I kept going, oh, I got to go, I got to go. And I was traveling. So I actually feel really terrible that I didn't make it to the theaters <laughs> to see it because I wanted to. But I have felt a lot of that like MCU sort of, um, what's the word? Fatigue, I guess. Um, yeah. For me, it was uh, uh, the Doctor newest Doctor Strange movie. That was kind of a turning mm -hmm. point for me. Um, yeah. So I also just didn't have that, like, oh, I got to get there for the newest movie um, Yeah. with this one. Have, have you been keeping up otherwise, though? Like, have you watched um, Have you watched Thor, uh, Love and Thunder? Have you watched the series that have come out since Secret Invasion and stuff like that? Um, I watched Thor. I did miss Secret Invasion, but I watched um, Loki, the newest mm -hmm. season. That one I absolutely love um so i've been hit and miss to be perfectly honest yeah i no i don't think you're i i think you represent the public honestly on that one i think most people um have been just watching what they're more interested in and the other ones they're just like whatever i'll, I'll catch it later maybe you know yeah and like um, there is some value to that like you know it's for a while it was every big every movie was like a big event and like, mm -hmm. there are a lot of characters now, like they have grown the MCU so much that I think, you know, it's okay to be, you know, what you're interested in is what you watch. It doesn't feel like, I did feel a little with the Marvels that I should have uh, made time for Secret Invasion, but you don't feel as much anymore. Like you have to see everything to understand each new yeah. thing that comes out. Yeah, and I think that's, that, I don't know, if that's good or bad, I mean, some people are like, man, well, I want it to be all be so connected, you know? And then some people are like, it doesn't all need to be connected. Just let us see a movie. And, you know, I, I kind of feel both ways. I, I like the accessibility for people that haven't watched, you know, 30 movies. I, I want them to feel like they can jump in, you know? Um, and at the same time, um, I also don't need everything to be connected. Like, just, it can be loosely connected. That's how it was in the beginning, anyway, of the MCU. It's like, you get some after credits that maybe tied it into another film, and you got excited for the next one. But it wasn't like every storyline somehow 
involved other characters or was connected to the rest of the of the world. So yeah, that's I'm, what made the first Avengers such a big deal. Was it was like, oh, they're all coming together now. Whereas before, yeah. yeah, it was loose. And like that's very similar to comics. Like you don't have to read Spider-Man and X-Men and everything right. else that comes out. You you read what you want to read. Yeah. And I, I kind of hope that honestly, I used to want the X-Men to really be tied into this universe, but now I'm kind of thinking I'd rather kind of just keep them separate, kind of like they were in the comics where you've got the X books as a kind of a, a universe on its own. Um, you've got the Avengers books over here. Um, and every once in a while they, they overlap, but for the most part, they're pre kept pretty separate. Yeah. And then you have more time for them and their stories and you don't have to make like make the X-Men make sense with, Captain America story or, you know, but they can interact and they live in the same world, but not everything has to be like totally entwined. Yeah, I agree. Um, so you just recently probably watched the Marvels then within the past, what, month or so? Yes. Yeah. Um, it came out on Marvel or Disney plus. <laughs> what, um, what did you think just overall of this movie in comparison to other stuff that's come out recently. And, um, you know, I think we may have taught. Yeah. I think you were on for Ms. Uh, Ms. Marvel was one of the last things that you came on for. Um, what did you think about seeing Kamala Khan again? And this time on the big screen, I thought she was so great. She was like, I was thinking about her last night and I was like, she was like the heart of the movie and they kept the same, like, it just felt like a very, um, easy move for her from Miss Marvel to the Marvels. Um, and I, I actually really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really fun, which isn't always the case yeah. with um, Marvel stuff as time has, has gone on. Um, and I actually liked everything like that led up to this movie in particular. I liked, um, I've, I feel like a, an oddball for this, but I really enjoyed Captain Marvel. I loved WandaVision. I loved Miss Marvel. So I had a real like positive setup for those three characters to come together. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same. Um, I was honestly, I loved Ms. Marvel. Um, I love Kamala Khan. Iman Vellani is fantastic. And I was just excited for her to get like a big screen debut. And I think that as I kind of predicted in my own head going in, like that she was going to be the best thing about this movie. And I felt like she was absolutely. Um, oh yeah. It was great to like see her. It was great to see her and like her family again, like interacting the way they do. Um, they kept it very much like it still felt like the same family, the same characters from the series. So that was great. I, I love her. And I think that she was the standout from this film, even though she wasn't like the biggest star on screen. Um, she was the best part of the movie for me. Yeah, she was so great. And, you know, it's always a little worrying when you really enjoy a character and they're moving from series to a movie. It's like, is this is this writer? Is this director? Are they going to, you know, I know there's oversight in Marvel, but like, are they going to be able to keep that same like vibe and same tone to her character? And it was like, she literally just stepped over from the series. She was exactly who she was. Yeah. And I love her family. Like I could just watch 
just a, you know a day in the life of the cons and i would be yeah. having a great time yeah the, the cons should be a sitcom all on its own yes yeah they've got yeah. the sitcom experience with wandavision just roll the cons into that yes absolutely um so just kind of jumping into the movie here um we open up intro being introduced to this new villain um this Cree, which I was I was kind of surprised how much they they did the Cree again because we had already done that with with Captain Marvel but I do get to, they had they had to deal with the fallout of what Captain Marvel did to the Cree so we open up with Darben um, landing on this moon and in search of something and we see that she finds one of the bracelets the the other one that matches Kamala's bracelet that she has and um, discovers that there's only one there. there. There should be two here. And now she's on this mission. She's got to find this other one. We don't exactly know what for yet, um, but she needs this power for something. So uh, what do you think of this this new villain, Darben? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I should have expected it. There's clearly another bangle out there, but I, when it, when it shows up, I went, oh, there it is. That's Kamala's. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was, I felt like you to see the Cree and Darben, I like, I appreciate her motivations and like, I understand it. And I think it was a, like a really good, like tying everything together, um, with Captain Marvel's experiences with the Cree. Um, but the, the Cree to me re really just kind of feel flat, like, I, I don't know if we need more time with Darben. Like, who is she? We get a little bit of flashback, but not really like, she's not really like a full, I don't know what her life was like before Captain Marvel right. showed up and became the Annihilator. But um, yeah, they, they feel flat to me for some reason. That's true. And, and Darben's not, not a very fleshed out character. Like, mm -hmm. you're right. We don't, we don't really understand her. We just know that, you know, Captain Marvel came in and, and really screwed up her world. And so now, you know, this is who she's become because of it. But yeah, we don't, otherwise we don't, I don't know, you don't care a whole lot about the character. You know, there's not a lot of feeling there. You just kind of, it, it's almost like um, in, in Secret Invasion, which you said you skipped, right? Yeah. Um, well, the villain... In that, it felt very similar. It was like, uh, I'm, t you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of putting up with this. Um, we've got to rally for our people and kind of create this rebellion and take back what's ours, type thing. And it's like, okay, I mean, that's that's the motivation makes sense. This happens all the time in real life. Like, there's rebellions. There's people who have been. Uh, mistreated and then feel like they need to rise up. But I feel like we've done that quite a few times within this cinematic universe. So it's like, it's nothing new. There's no, it's not like, oh, wow, a really, a really unique motivation for a character. Like, no, it, it was, you're right, it's a little bland and we don't care that much about the character. Whereas, like, characters like Thanos and stuff and um, I don't know, just other villains throughout the MCU, they've kind of 
given us a little bit more, you know, where you can empathize a bit with the character and want them to, I don't know. I don't know. At, you know, spoilers, but I didn't, I didn't uh, care that much when she didn't make it out of <laughs> this film. Like, I was like, you know, it's not like you want to see her uh, make a turnaround and realize the error of her ways. You don't really care. You're just like, nah, get rid of her. She's a bad guy. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that is kind of, yeah, that was kind of sad. Cause when the ending happens, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, that's fine. We don't, we don't need to save this, this person. I don't really care. And like, yeah. I think they, so it's like, it's hard. Cause they got the motivation really good. Like I, I love the motivation and like, you can understand what she's doing and why she's doing these things. But if you don't make them like a full person, like my, my like standard of a good villain would be like Magneto, of course. And, you know, I don't think he's a villain anyway, but I think she had like the potential to be a very similar character if they gave her enough of a story. Yeah. Yeah. Almost like if we, if we had maybe even met her in an earlier film at some point, or if she had showed up in Captain Marvel as a, uh, a child or a teenager, or so, I don't know how old she would have been. Um, or if she just grew up in this, in this uh, kind of destroyed world. Um, but knowing that might have made me care a little more. Yeah. So, yeah, once we get introduced to Darben, uh, we then jump straight to Jersey, Jersey City and catch up with the cons and see what Kamala's up to. And this is, like, right at the... Where we catch up with her is basically right where Ms. Marvel ended. So that was pretty cool. Like, that end credit scene in Ms. Marvel is where she disappears and Carol Danvers appears in her closet. Like... And everyone's like, what happened? Did they switch? What, what's going on here? Like, we didn't really know until we started seeing trailers for the Marvels that like, oh, yeah, that is what they're doing. They're switching places. Um, but, yeah, seeing the cons again, which we've already discussed, like, it was just great. They, it, they, they felt like exactly from the series. They, they jumped right from the series to here. It felt like a continuation. It did, and even because um, one of my favorite parts of Miss Marvel was those early episodes where mm -hmm. they do the cool like animations that relate to yeah. her art and her uh, YouTube yeah. channel and everything. And they there wasn't a lot, but they did a little bit, and it was just yeah. it was cool to see that like come through. Like I want that to be something that they keep alive for her in the MCU itself. Yeah, they definitely should. I I think that's one of the like things that's unique uh, just to her and it was cool that they at least in the introduction to her in the film maybe other people weren't uh, super familiar with her going in and so it was nice to see them kind of revisit that like oh this is what you're dealing with when you're when you're watching Kamala Khan on screen yes yeah so I loved um when she goes why are hands so hard to draw because that was uh one of the things <laughs> yes. I constantly complained about as a teenager <laughs> Yes. Yes, I still do. When I'm trying to show my daughter how to draw stuff, like my daughter's a crazy artist. She's so good, um, but she doesn't like drawing humans. She she likes animals and dragons and and things like that. Uh, but like humans, actually, my daughter's not even a big fan of humans. She doesn't really like people that much. But she loves, uh, she loves 
mythical creatures and she loves animals so uh she doesn't have a lot of experience drawing hands and feet and things like that but i I try to show her and i'm like okay i i can't do this either i'm just like kamala drawing like little ovals for hands all right fine it's fine yeah um so we get her she disappears and carol danvers takes her place and then we're kind of present day like we've caught up to where we already were at the end of Ms. Marvel, and now we're dealing with the actual story that we're dealing with. So we've got uh, Nick Fury and Saber out on this space station. And I can't remember. Do you remember back to WandaVision? Did they call it Saber? I remember everyone kept calling it Sword because that's what it is in the comics. Like, Sword is this organization. Uh, that Nick Fury becomes a part of, but I can't remember if they called it Saber or if this is a new development. I don't remember it being called Saber. Yeah, but I could, like, maybe it was, maybe they didn't say, you know, how they like to do the long version without the acronym. They could have said that at some point and I didn't catch it. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. I didn't remember Saber. Yeah, interesting. Um, so they, they may have just changed that for, I was just trying to figure out if it's different than sword, but I think it's supposed to be like the MCU's version of the same thing. I mean, it feels like it, they're monitoring space, you know, for, uh, potential dangers. Uh, so it, it completely makes sense that they just, they switched it over. Um, but we catch up with Nick Fury out there and Monica Rambo. She's now an adult and she's uh, working with Saber and she has her powers that she received uh, in WandaVision. So that's the last time we saw her. So now we're catching up with her modern day. And um, I guess the only problem I have with her character is we get, she's just, I don't know how much time has passed since WandaVision, right? Like, it's not like that happened before the blip, and so she had five years to develop her powers or whatever, but, like, she's just fully in control of her powers, and that kind of was like, huh, that was a little quick for her to be, like, so proficient and working out in space and, you know, a member of Saber, but um, it was cool to see her again. I was just a little confused at, like, man, she, like, jumped right in with these brand-new powers and is completely proficient. But what did you think of of seeing Monica Rambo on screen, just just like uh, Ms. Marvel, I guess, right? Like first time on the big screen for this character. Yeah, it was cool to see her again. Um, I still felt a little confused about her powers. It was it was weird because it was <clears throat> like maybe she's only been using them like to do her job. Because then when she tries yeah. to use them for like hero stuff, she's like. Mm-hmm. Has to, she's still like learning it, and it would have helped to know like how long ago did you walk through the witch hex? Um, yeah, because it was she was like weirdly proficient in some ways, and then like not in other ways. Yeah, like I I'm think I w- she'd be flying around all the time. Like that's the ex- not being right. able to make a little tool with your hand and light, mm-hmm. but being able to fly. I mean, I would have thought she was doing that all the time. Yeah, that seems like that seems like day one practice for a superhero like oh i can fly i'm gonna try that first right 
uh, I do. I'm also a little confused about her powers because as, as they said in the movie, they differentiate like Kamala can make solid matter out of light. Um, I don't know exactly what Captain Marvel does. Everything. She could just blast people um, and fly. Uh, but supposedly Monica can see all the light of the spectrum, like the entire spectrum of light. I don't know how that converts then to um, like hitting people with bursts of light or flying or any of that. Like being able to see something and understand something. I don't understand how that like then carries over to like using it as a, a forceful power. But yeah, I felt like they, to me, it felt a little too much to try and like tie all their powers together. Um, yeah. You know, because obviously Kamala's are very different in the comics, and now it's this hard light, which mm -hmm. I just don't like that term. We've, they've got to come up with something better to me. Yeah. Um, and then Monica's are just all over the place. Like, sh she can also phase through things. I didn't know that yes. was a light thing. Light gets stopped going through <laughs> things. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I'm confused about her powers. She, she can kind of do whatever they need her to do. And that's yeah. that. I think that is is my main problem with the character is that like she's just used for whatever they, they can just say like oh yeah she can of course she can do that like whatever they need her to be able to do she can do like you said she can phase through things she can hit people really hard with light she can fly um she can absorb I, energy I, yes. I guess just, she's just the swiss army knife of light <laughs> yeah that's what she is exactly and so um you know, of all the characters, I think Kamala's is the coolest to watch on screen, though. Like, I like I like that she... My favorite thing is when she creates, like, the discs and, like, jumps from platform to platform. Um, and then also uses it to slide across the floor. I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah. Her, her powers look really cool on screen. They do. I just don't like the term hard light, but I love yeah. her powers in this and the, the rainbow. It's very, very Kamala. And she remind when she started doing the slides, um, she reminded me a lot of Iceman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was thinking that too. Um, and then, you know, Captain Marvel. I, I felt like she's always kind of been a little overpowered. The, the, the main issue I have with like her using her powers is uh, it's like one moment she's completely indestructible another moment she's just getting punched by people and i'm like that doesn't make sense like how, why is she struggling at all with any of this like the captain marvel we saw in the film the first film she would not even need the help of these other two like she she was such like so powerful that well, i don't know why she would need any help at all you know, um, I'm glad yeah. that they kind of yeah. depowered her a little bit in this. I'm really glad because it, it can get boring if she's just smashing everyone and having no struggles at all. So um, much. I, I definitely liked her, her power set much better in this film. I'm just not exactly sure what it like. I, I'm not exactly sure why the like extremes of like she's completely invincible or you know, she can get literally just pummeled by people, like punched and kicked by random people. Yeah, maybe she's just like wanting a challenge sometimes, you know, when you can fly through yeah. spaceships and blow them up, you know, maybe she just wants to throw a few punches here and there. Yeah.
Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. She she just wants to feel like the common folk, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I can throw fisticuffs too. Um, <laughs> yeah. So after we kind of get int- introduced to all of them, uh, then we go back to Captain Marsh out there in space monitoring a sector of space. Um, and they start, they all start getting these readings, like something's going on. They, and they go to investigate and it looks like the jump points, uh, that people use to travel through space, uh, are acting really weird. They're kind of staying open. They don't know what's going on. And we find out that Can you hear me? Um, yep, I can hear you fine. Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes, okay. no, I can. All right. This is where we run into issues. Um, <laughs> so, so we get, basically the plot is now laid out. Darben is trying to steal different commodities, I guess, uh, different things from different planets to basically reignite her planet, which has been destroyed by Captain Marvel. So she wants to go take an atmosphere over here. She wants to go take the sun from Earth. She wants to, she wants to basically destroy all these other planets to breathe life back into her own for her people, um, which, like we said before, is understandable. I get it, but you know, to do so so uh, but that that's what we get and then we find out that the the marvels captain marvel ms marvel and unnamed marvel they're swapping somehow their powers are intertwined and every time they use them they switch places which i thought was probably the coolest part of this movie like the the, the most unique thing about like the fighting and stuff in this movie was them swapping places. When I saw the first trailer, I remember being like, oh, that looks fun. Like, that looks interesting to watch on screen, and it it looks like a conundrum that they're going to have to solve. Like, how are they going to do it? And I love that they do do it. Like, they, they come together and figure it out together with a little, like, rocky training sequence of switching places and practicing it. But... Um, yeah, what did you think of this whole idea of like swapping places and having to learn how to to do that? Yeah, I loved it. I really was. So I think I had a little um, PTSD from uh, the newest Wonder Woman movie where there was like a body swapping situation. And so yeah. the <laughs> end credit scene, I was like, what are they doing? Yeah. Because oh no, is this like a body swapping thing? Um, so then when it was like revealed what's actually going on, I, I was like, oh no, this is actually really cool. I'm into this. And like seeing them have to figure out, figure it out, like the jump rope scenes, and like they really like yeah. thought through like if you switch places, there's like momentum and directions, like just like this real like basic stuff that they have to figure out. And it was really fun to see. Yeah, I mean, watching those scenes, it is kind of like 
man, that would be really difficult. That would be really difficult, no matter what it is, like, you know, where they're like tossing a ball up in the air and then the next one is appearing there to catch it. It's like you didn't even throw that ball and now you got to appear and know where to catch it like that. Oh, man, like it, it just bent my brain a little bit. I'm like, how? like, but I'm I assume you could with enough time and practice figure that out. So, yeah, they literally no, it was really cool. Either. Yeah, and I do think that their fight scenes while swapping out was really cool. Like, and then, you know, the Flurgan eating villains and then being transported to the Khan's house. And so now the villains are in the Khan's house. Like, somehow the career at the Khan's. I loved all that. <laughs> it was so good. Like, seeing, yeah, they used it so many different ways. Like, the training montage those are always great montages are always fun um yeah. but yeah when the Cree show up and everyone's confused and i actually really love the first time they fought on Al aladna um and i don't remember who it was but monica switched places with somebody and then she was shooting in the wrong direction because it's like that's yeah. how it would go in real life you'd practice and you'd practice and you'd be like i got it and then you have to do it for real and it's like nope still working it out a little yep. bit yep absolutely uh i think they uh i liked how they used the flurgan and 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 then made so many more i that had to be my daughter's favorite part as i said she's not a big human fan but like having this cute little kitty cat eating people <laughs> and then spitting them out uh so cool and then i thought it was pretty inventive the way that when the the saber space station was going to be destroyed how they used the flurgans to eat all the crew and then you know safely transport them down to earth inside one ship like that was pretty inventive i like that that was incredible. I was like, like if somebody had told me that before, I'd be like, that's yeah. so dumb. And actually I was, I was rewatching the movie and my fiance hasn't seen it. And he walks in the room, like just as the kitten flurkins are eating people. And he's like, what is happening? I'm like, you, you just, you missed it. If you understood, you would be dying laughing with me. I was like, this is hilarious. Kit, they're kittens. It's like, yeah. On, on paper, sounds awful. Watching yeah. it out was incredible. Couldn't beat that. Yeah. And then when the the little space pod starts spinning, I don't know if you're a cat person or if you have cats. I've, I grew up with cats. Um, um, and the cat gagging was too real. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I loved it. I loved that. Like, and I, like you said, it's it's so silly. And, and even the mechanics of it, they just don't work. Like, how does it store so much inside of its body? Like, what? And not even look bloated at all. Like, how is this happening? My daughter said the same thing. She's like, what do they, what do they see when they're in there? I'm like, I don't know. Darkness? I, I really don't know. I said it might be a big cave to them in there. I have no idea. Um, but... But their ability, yeah, who knows what's in there? Um, 
it's just left to your imagination, but I love it. And I love too, that it's like, I assumed before that it's like when this cat, this flurgan eats something like, Oh, it's killing it. And we find out in this movie, no, they're just kind of being stored in there for later yeah. use, which is weird. It's so weird, but I love seeing it play out. And like, I, yeah, like you said, if someone told me that, like, yeah, in this movie, they're going to use them and they're going to eat all the people, but just to transport them somewhere. I'd be like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. That's going to look so stupid. And it did look kind of stupid, but it was really entertaining. I love that, like, the people knew they had to be eaten. I love the, the, the announcement over the intercom was like, let the Flurgans eat you. Stop running. It's like so ridiculous. <laughs> but it was great. Playing in the background. You know what actually yeah. threw me, though? as far as the mechanics, um, I think, I don't remember if it was Kamala or her mom, but one of the kitten flurkins going onto the space pod, she just easily picked it up. And I was like, what threw me was yeah. where does the weight go of the people? Yeah. And I was like, and then something else silly happened. And I was like, I don't care. This is not important. I am having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. They could be, I mean, they could literally be transported to another universe or something in there we don't know and we don't need to know no it's just a good you know what goose yeah. has been fun ever since goose showed up i guess goose is a girl i always thought goose was a boy um maybe boy flirt can lay eggs i don't know either way maybe he's he or she has been fun from the beginning and i would yeah. I just never would have fixed it when those brain things showed up did not even cross my mind it was related to goose yeah. Can you? I love that. Much like Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson, like Fury and Goose have become good friends, even after him taking his eye from him like 30 okay. years ago. Yes. And like when Nick Fury saw the kittens, he was so excited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love his like his affinity for Goose. It's great. Yes. I think like something about Goose and actually I love his interactions with Captain Marvel and it was he was fun with Kamala too. Um but just his interactions with those characters are so different for some reason. You know what? He did like Fury felt a uh, different in this film. I don't know. Yeah, it sounds like you you felt that too, but like just the way he talks and the way he and I didn't know if it's like, are they just writing him different? Or is it like he's interacting with these different characters differently? Or is it, you know, this it's it's an aging Nick Fury. He's seen it all. He's been through it all. Like, maybe he's just uh, a little bit softer of a guy now. Like, maybe he's, you know, because he was really intense in the first few Avengers films, right? Very serious. Um, no punches pulled. But, like, now he's just yeah, he's kind of relaxed, kind of you know, uh, lackadaisical. He's just, and crazy things are happening all around. He never gets super intense and, and like worried or anything. He's just, he's just chill. Yeah. Yeah. It's either the aging or like these care, like he just, he was also a spy. Maybe he just knows how to interact with different people differently, you yeah. know? Um, but at the, uh, when the, when his little, Flurkin ship arrives and well actually towards the end the way he is with Kamala he's very much like I wouldn't have expected Nick Fury to know how to interact with a teenage superhero very well 
And he's, yes. you know, he's kind of like a, an uncle or grandpa to Kamala. So, and it, tell me if I'm like skipping, uh, but once we figure out what Darben is doing and they realize that they need to go retrieve this other bracelet, like our bracelets to save the earth, basically. They're, they're going to need this power to close these uh, jump ports and stop these things like the atmosphere from being siphoned off from that uh, refugee uh, scroll planet. Um, the Earth's sun is kind of being sucked away, so they need both of these bracelets uh, to be able to do this. Um, and then for a short period of time, Darben actually gets Kamala's bracelet, and it's it's a bit worrisome, right? So um, she now has the power to do everything that she wants to do, and they have to work together to get this bracelet away from her. Um, and, and I liked I liked the final battle with Darben, um, and like we talked about earlier, I'm kind of glad to just let her die, because not not that like because the character I didn't like or anything like that, but because in the MCU and just in comics and, and superhero stuff in general, it is a little too often nowadays that we like turn these great to the light. You know, it's like. Can we just have some bad guys? Can we just have some villains that are villainous that we just take out? Like, we we don't have to save everyone. Not everyone could be turned to the light. Yeah, and not everybody, like, needs to. It's like, it's okay. You know, as much as I wish there was, like, more to Darben, at the same time, does there need to be? Like, does, is, is her story something that can go past this movie anyway? Right. So I was I was completely satisfied with it. And and speaking to that, I was really happy. This was a shorter movie. This was like an MCU film that was under two hours. Like, what? This is crazy. But I'm glad it was like it wasn't boring. It didn't seem like there was any fluff, any extra put into this film. It was like exactly what you needed. The story, the action. Uh oh. Interested from beginning to end, and then it was done. And it, but overall, it was a solid film from beginning to end. Yeah, it was. Um, even rewatching it, there was no point where I was like, "Oh God, gotta get through this part again." Everything, it just, it, yeah, it was exactly what they needed in the movie, and nothing more. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was it was smart to give us a shorter one. You know, just that every movie doesn't have to be two and a half hours long. You know? yeah. I for events stuff like NA, but if you're doing character film, it doesn't need to be more than two hours. It really doesn't. So no.
Can you hear me? Okay. As we said, uh, they they end up killing Darben. Now they were they were going to try to save her. Okay, but it's her fault. Like as soon as she had the chance she tried to take them out again. Like she act like she was going to turn and, and do the right thing. But no, she tries to take them out as soon as she gets free and she's got to die. Um, is what it is. Yeah. Everyone. Uh, another universe. So now we're, dealing with the rest of the MCU here and what's going on with the multiverse and things like that. And Monica she's going to have to close this thing from the other side. And she's going to be stuck somewhere else. Um, so she goes and does that. Um, Monica is on, but you see Monica on the other side. How excited we're going to see Kelly Graham's beast show up. Are you there? I can hear you now. Okay. How excited were you to see Kelsey Grammer show up as beast when Monica wakes up in this other universe? Of all the mutants I expected to see first, I i mean, I know I've seen Charles, but I wasn't expecting Beast. It made sense for what the scene was, but I i honestly did not ever expect to see his version of Beast again. Yeah. Yeah, and it looks like with, with the Deadpool movie, um, we're going to be spending some time with these Fox Universe X-Men again, at least for a little while. And it's kind of cool to see. It's kind of cool to see these some of these characters come over uh, that that like I said, a lot of people grew up with. Like I was a teenager when X Men came out, um, so I was watching all the X Men movies as they came out. Those those were my live action X Men. I'm ready for some new ones, but with the way that a lot of the later X Men films played out. I'm glad they kind of get a little bit of a redemption. Like, we get this time. These great I'm happy that Fox X-Men I don't remember forever, but I'm glad we get to see them kind of one more time. Yeah, I 
Yeah, I mean, they'll always be the first, you know, movie X-Men. There's some that I'm going to have a harder time letting go of than others, assuming that they don't continue. Um, but it will. It, I hope it's like kind of yeah. like a, a farewell tour. And I think that could be fun. Yeah, I think I, I get does them justice. Hello, hello. Hi. <laughs> All I right. was trying to keep up. I hope uh, I did okay. You're, yeah, no, you're doing really good. Um, I don't even know how you're reacting to stuff that you didn't hear me say, but you're doing really good. I'm like so impressed. Um, <laughs> all right. But to wrap this thing up, um, all we have left here is, um, and I think we kind of jumped to the end credit scene there. Uh, but before that happens, we see Kamala Khan going to recruit the new Hawkeye for assumably like the, new avengers right like this she's like i'm putting together a team and very kamala fashion uh trying to be very nick fury-esque in the shadows i loved it um but this is what i wanted to ask you about this now that we're starting to finally get the x-men we've waited so long for are you still like i know everyone was hyped to see like young avengers and all this like do you want to see that i mean so I think, I think this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I'm okay if this, like, this is where it takes a split. Like, the new Avengers are for some people or the people who want to watch everything. And the X-Men can be a different track. Like, yeah. that would be fine with me. Because they've introduced a lot of characters. And they always are kind of, side note, you know, like yeah. in um, the second Black Panther, it was... Uh, Riri, I can't remember mm -hmm. what her superhero name is. Um, Ironheart. Ironheart, yes. And so they've yeah. introduced all these characters, and like they're, you know, the original characters. You know, they don't, they don't want to be Avengers the rest of their lives, probably. Um, right. At least the actors. Um, right. And so, yeah, I'd be more okay with it kind of taking a split here, because that's not. These are not characters. They came out when I was older. They're, I have no real connection to them personally. But yeah. if people learn, like, you know, younger people who are growing up with this MCU, like, I could see them being, like, super excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'll be honest. I'll watch it all. But I'm just not excited for it, like, in the way that I am the X-Men. It's like, I'll be honest. I might, like, with if they continue with, like, a young type thing that might be disney plus for me and then like the x-men films i'm gonna be in the theater on day one 
Oh yeah, I will be all in for everything. The X-Men might, this might be good timing, at least for me personally, I don't know about other people for the X-Men, like after the MCU fatigue, like, okay, I'm mm -hmm. ready for something different. I'm ready for the X-Men. And honestly, yeah. I feel like the MCU, they figured out how to make good stories and make good characters. Like as much as I wanted them to be around sooner, this feels like a good time for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they intended to have interest wane during this period, but I do think the X-Men can breathe new life into, you know, superhero cinema again. Um, that's what I want more than anything, is like the X-Men to just excite people again. I want, you know, five, eight, ten years from now, I want everyone to be going to see the big X-Men event film like we did with Endgame. Like that's that's my dream for it. So yeah, I'm I'm more than excited that we're finally getting to see some X characters. Yeah, it's I don't know, the the kid version of me seeing Beast, who's not even my favorite character. I'm not even super fond of Beast. I was right. unreasonably happy to see him show up and to see the yeah. they're clearly like in the X mansion and there's the door with the X on it. And like, I was like, Oh my God, I'm so thrilled about this. Yes. Yeah. I'm very excited. So, <laughs> um, well, I think we've covered the Marvels pretty damn well and a lot of X-Men stuff as well, which I'm always happy to talk with you about. Um, I think that's going to do it for our coverage. Thank you so much, Noel, for being a part of this and for dealing with all the technical difficulties and being like a true podcast champ, being able to, you know, somehow answer questions that you didn't hear me ask when the, when the feed cut out, um, you've been really awesome. So I, I appreciate you uh, being such a pro. Oh, thank you. And thanks so much for having me back. I love talking about these movies and love your podcast. So yeah, thanks again for having me. Awesome. I'll continue listening to you uh, make your way through the Silver Age, um, you know, anxiously anticipating when you get to the really fun stuff. Um, but I'll be listening the whole way regardless. So because I love your take on stuff. Thanks. Yeah, I'm doing my best to make it entertaining for these uh, not so great. It's weird to do a podcast about this and go, I know this sucks, you guys, but we got to get through <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be listening. Um, thank you again for doing this and uh, hopefully talk to you again real soon. All right. Thank you. All right. See ya. Bye. All right, my friends, that is going to do it for the discussion of the Marvels with Noel. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed having the conversation um, I can't wait to have Noelle back. She, she's such a great guest, um, and it had been so long, I, I, I forgot how good she really was. She's fantastic, man. Like I said, if you notice those technical difficulties, like, it's crazy. I was asking questions sometimes that she did not even hear me ask. Then the feed would come back, um, the connection would come back, and she would just start answering, and it's like we didn't miss a beat. Such a pro. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, if you need, or need, needs a strong word, if you want uh, extra Marvel Plus content, you can always check out the Marvel Plus Patreon at patreon.com slash 
Marvel Plus. Um, you can get apparel, um, hats, shirts, mugs, bumper stickers, all that sort of stuff in the description below. I always have links to everything that I mention down in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to Noelle's podcast, X-Men Unraveled, where she covers the X-Men chronologically, the comic books, from the first time they appeared, characters appeared, all the way through to, you know, current day. Uh, She's still early on in the process, as we discussed in the show, um, and her take on some of the early X-Men stuff is, (laughs) it's it's a lot of fun, so go check that out. Um, and I cannot wait, you know, for her to get to the Claremont run and the, the stuff that I'm rereading right now. She's a fantastic host. So go check out X-Men Unraveled. And um, yeah, that's going to do it for the episode. Don't forget to rate and review Marvel Plus over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you do the same thing for uh, X-Men Unraveled as well. Go over and, and rate and review her podcast and and let her know that, that you heard her on Marvel Plus and... Uh, that's where you found her. So thank you guys so much. As always, um, we'll be talking again real soon when I start to cover X-Men 97, which is going to be a blast. 10 episodes, um, hoping that they're going to release week by week so we can spread it out a little more on like Echo or or, uh, the What If series that came out last year. Um, I really hope we get some time in between each one to really think about what happened and and break it down and discuss it before we jump into the next episode. Um, But it just looks so good. I I can't wait to start talking about that. um, Very much looking forward to having Noelle come back for that as well as the resident X-Men fan. Her and Ryan Fraseri both will definitely be on for one of those episodes. Um, As always, my name is Brett Scott. And this has been Marvel Plus.